CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everybody, and happy Friday, Options Action fans. I'm Tyler Matheson, in tonight for Melissa Lee, and we have a big show on deck. Here is what's coming up. On the big show tonight, Carter Worth explains why the sector previously left for dead should get your heart racing right now. Then, Karen Feinerman has a way to possibly use big ups and downs in one airline name to your advantage. And, Co's House! Well, not his house per se, more like his housing stock. Mike drops the mic with one play. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts now. And let's get right to it. Healthcare having a bit of a hangover this year, up just 6%. Uh, and the second worst performing sector of the year behind energy. Names like Biogen, Centene, Pfizer, Cigna, all weighing on the space, down double digits. The sector has been caught in the crosshairs of late as the 2020 presidential election draws closer. But our chart master, Carter Worth, has a positive prognosis on the space, and he's over at the plasma to break down his country and call. Well, he's not really at the plasma. Not yet. He's not yet. But are you going to go there? I'm waiting for permission. You, you have my permission, Permission sir. granted. Here we you go. Are, you are banished from the desk. <laughs> Thank you. So... Uh, you know, this has obviously been a dud, and, and in many ways, what's interesting is because it was a year of, of risk-off and highly defensive areas of the market, uh, specifically utilities, REIT, staples, winning. Healthcare is that other area that's both uh, defensive, but it is offensive, and so in a way, I think at this point, it's a heads-you-win, uh, tails-you-win. Let's talk about it. So the, since data is available back in uh, 1989, this is a chart showing healthcare's weight as a percentage of the S&P. And it has been uh, higher, as high as 16.5, and obviously it's been lower. Uh, but right now we're at 13.5%. Um, the average is about 12. And my thinking here is that, uh, not necessarily dependent on this, but that there is uh, surprise potential in healthcare. Let's look at a few charts. So this is, um, well, just to show you, this is how important healthcare is. Uh, with the exception of tech, the sector is the second biggest sector in terms of weighting in the S&P. So what's remarkable is that it's second biggest, and yes, it's been uh, the second worst in terms of performance, and we'll, we'll look at that in a bit. Here's the all-data chart going back again to 1989, and this is the relative performance uh, to the S&P. So the top is the sector itself. The bottom is relative performance. So we have this circumstance, obviously, where... The sector has continued to advance over the past three years, but its relative performance to the market has been very, very poor. Now, at this point, though, I'm thinking we've got the following circumstance. We're down to the relative trend line, and I'm going to make the bet that we, just as we have in prior instances, have bounced, have bounced, have bounced, that this is the point at which this relative performance comes to an end, that healthcare is actually able to come to life. In terms of the absolute uh, chart itself, what you'll see here, a couple lines, this is the comparative chart over one year, and this is the opportunity. Again, on a one-year basis, uh, actually flat versus the market up 10. And now, let's draw some lines on the sector itself. This is the XLF. Here is a five-year chart. 
And I think the way to draw the lines is as follows. Here comes the setup. Take a look. And what you've got here is, you can call it an ascending wedge or an ascending triangle, but it's all very precise. These levels are not random. And ultimately, a lot of tension here. I'm going to make the bet that we are going to break out. And again, an offensive, defensive area of the market that perhaps will serve its purpose in any market environment from here. Those charts are very interesting, Mike. What's the trade that you would put on here? Yeah, so, you know, we take a look at the healthcare sector. I think it's kind of interesting because if we compare this sector to a lot of others, and obviously we're very close to, if not at the all-time highs in the market, a lot of that is coming, obviously, from some increased valuations. We've seen higher multiples. We're not seeing that in healthcare. Actually, healthcare multiples is looking at the healthcare sector index, which is what this ETF is actually based on actually hit its zenith in about 2015, and it's essentially been going down ever since. Why is that? Because the healthcare sector overall has seen earnings growth, but we haven't seen corresponding increases in prices here. So we also don't see very high prices for options in XLV. We're talking about an implied volatility for January options right now of about 15%. That puts that basically right, look at where the VIX closed. VIX closed today at about 14 and change. So this is a really fair value trade to be able to buy optionality. I was just looking out to January. You could buy the 92 calls for $2.60, so that's round about 3% to buy the the at-the-money call in this thing. Consider this. What do you think the chances are that overall this sector could move 3% or more between now and the third Friday in January? That's how long we have to make this bet. I think the short answer is it's very reasonable to assume that it could move 3% and probably considerably more in either direction. And in either case, that makes this a very reasonable way to basically limit your risk and play to the upside here. Karen, you have a thought here? Um, I mean, it's interesting to me, the idea that the relative strength of it. So if one didn't want to make a market bet then you would, it would look like you would say long the market, short and equal weight of healthcare against it for outperformance. No? No, I see. Well, I'm just thinking at this point it's been such a relative underperformer, right? And it's been dragged down by big names. J&J has been struggling, and obviously the managed care stocks. Uh, Others have been fine. But the totality of it, it looks as though it's had its three-year underperformance, and at this point that is coming to an end. That's That's my thinking, and I'd rather be long this than the market. Right. Oh, oh, is that oh, what you said? Sorry, yes, I didn't yes, get yes. that at all. So, oh. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> okay. Mike, tie I, it off for it. I mean, do you have a final thought? I mean, you're, no, you're no, done. that you're was done. it. You, you've, been, you've been validated. Yeah. You've been yeah. validated, so you're cool. Right, yeah. I mean, we have some idiot. So J&J was an idiosyncratic issue that we saw. Obviously, they had some bad news, and they had that recall. That's a, a little bit of a headache. The managed care space, I think we understand. We've got an election year fast approaching. This is sort of in the crosshairs, we could safely say. Um, but it's priced as such. I think that's the important thing. I mean, this is a really an outperforming sector. I can't think of another sector. Maybe technology is one before we move on to the next thing. That is as sprawly as this. It includes uh-huh. everything. Right? It's got right. drugs in it. It's right. got uh, hospital stocks in right. it. It's got the uh, well, long-term care. Well, and think about this. Biotech care. Is, yep. is, is speculative. This biotech is the most speculative thing Yeah, all. biotech in it. Right? It's yeah. got the most offensive, the most speculative. It's something for everybody. It's really something. All right, let's move on to the stock story of the day, and that would be Boeing uh, taking a leg lower today uh, and shaving a big chunk off the Dow. The FAA is saying today that Boeing withheld, quote, concerning pilot messages 
about the safety of the 737 MAX jet. But that did not stop shares of American Airlines from taking off today. And as that stock gets ready to report its profits next week, Karen Feinerman says it hasn't quite reached cruising altitude yet. What is the trade here? Karen? Yep. So I'm long the stock, and here's the, the, uh, the option overlay, which is a calendar. I'm looking at the Jan 29s. Long the Jan 29 call, short at the October 25th expiration. So these are the weeklies that expired next Friday, which is after earnings. And those look pretty pumped up to me. And if we look at the volatility chart, thank you, that Mike provided, we can see how expensive the nearer-term volatility is relative to the longer. So I want to take advantage of that and be selling these shorter-dated calls that have, are more pumped up to be long the 29 call. So they've released earnings that are not great and the stock kind of goes sideways to down. That's fine. Those go away. The weeklies go away to zero. And I'm left with the longer dated call for, for a stock that I want to own. And we have some time. We have some uh, uh, time to see how the market does. And I think that the collapse of the, of the near dated ones, we may still have value more than we paid possibly for the long-dated one, even if the stock... It's a way to, am- if you own the stock, it's a way to yes. amplify your profit in it, right? Exactly. And not, and not putting up a ton of money. If you don't own it and you don't want to buy it right here because you're worried about airlines, I think it's a cheap way to leg into it. Mike? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I use calendar spreads all the time. I like these kinds of trades. It's interesting. We were talking about this uh, before the show, actually, today. American is implying a move of a little over 5%. And if you take a look at the last eight quarters, you might say, okay, that's reasonable because that's about what we've averaged. But part of that actually is because last quarter we had a really big move. And if you're thinking about what the catalyst could be, consider this. Uh, We've had results, first guidance, and then results from Delta. We've had results from United. Uh, All of the news that might be impactful as far as Boeing is concerned, that is well known already. There's no surprise really likely to come from that area. And that's really the issue with calendar spreads. Are you expecting that that some news could come out that would blindside the market? Or do we think a lot of that's baked in? And I think a lot of it is baked in. And I think that's why it makes a great deal of sense to try to collect the premium for those weeklies, which I think is maybe elevated at least as much as it should be. Carter, you want to dip your oar in here? Sure. I mean, independent of all the news, and we know this is very news-related, you have a circumstance where this was perhaps the best-performing stock, along with Caterpillar. It basically was a fourfold increase from 100 to 400 off the 2016 low. And for the past three years, it's been biding time, news notwithstanding. And I think ultimately this biding time is the setup, the rest, before the next major up leg in the stock. So, American Airlines, you're long the stock. You like long, these long-dated calls. Right, long the stock. I'm also I'm long uh, Delta as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had somewhat disappointing earnings, but I like the space. So, And I want to have a little bit more invested in it without owning the stock. All right, there's Delta's uh, chart, and it was, uh, well, it's up for the year and up yeah. today. Everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, check out our super cool newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. It's been a sturdy week for the home builders, but our Mike Coe says one name in the space could get nailed when it reports earnings next week. We'll tell you what it is and how to trade it. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. 
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to Options Action. Where is that? That is Chicago. A beautiful, I love Chicago, I gotta say. Windy City, a lot of options are traded right there in Chicago. I'm not sure which street that is. Anybody know? LaSalle, Wacker, I don't know. I don't know which one it is, but man, Chicago is nice this time of year. We're back here at at, uh, NASDAQ, another nice place, New York City. Thanks for being with us. It was a hot week for the home builders with the XHB ETF that tracks the group up nearly 4% closing out its best weekly performance since June. This is names like Lennar, Home Depot, D.R. Horton, which I always want to call Dr. Horton, uh, and Pulte Group, also sitting at fresh 52-week highs. But Mike Coe says one name, one name in the space could get nailed when it reports earnings next week. Mike. Well, nailed. That's a little bit harsh. I'm not sure that nailed is the way I would put it. We're going to take a look at selling a call spread in Pulte Homes, which is going to be reporting And when you sell a call spread, it's not so much a bet that it's going to crater. It's really more of the stock may hit a pause kind of a thing. So why we're going to sell a call spread, this is a way that you can express a neutral to bearish view. It's obviously had a terrific run. This is also a situation where you're looking to collect premium. Um, And this is a situation where we're going into earnings. Sometimes we're going to see elevated options uh, premia, and we're trying to collect that. Another nice thing about spreads like this, credit spreads, out-of-the-money credit spreads, they tend to have a better than 50-50 probability of profit. And the reason for that, as we're about to demonstrate, is that you can have three things happen to a stock. So we can see here what has happened with Pulte. My bet is that we've had a really strong run coming in here and that maybe we just hit the pause button on earnings. And, you know, I'm going to also admit that it's not a terrible environment for the home builders here. We've got 30-year mortgage rates right around 3.5%. That's obviously a positive. But what I'm going to look to do here is bet that it's going to hit the pause button, and I'm going to sell an upside call spread. Specifically, the call spread I was looking at was the November 3940 call spread. Today, when I was looking at that, you could sell that and collect a credit of $0.35, cents. That's 35%, obviously, of the distance here between the strikes. And now I'm going to just demonstrate very quickly why the probability of profit is going to be better than 50-50 on trades like this one. Why is that? Because three things could happen to the stock after earnings. One is it could go higher. Uh, That obviously is not the bet I'm making. But the other two things that could happen is it could go basically sideways or it could go lower. And of the three things that could happen, two are going to be good for this trade. Uh, Basically, if it stays below 39.35, uh, by November expiration, this is going to be a profitable trade. The most I'm risking is the 65 cents. But actually, if the stock does surprise to the upside and runs right through 40, it's not likely that that's going to go exactly to a dollar. So that might be representing, at least in the short term, more risk than is actually faced. These are the kinds of situations when you have elevated options premiums, you're looking for ways to collect some money. Calendar spreads like the one that Karen talked about is one way. Selling credit spreads like this is another. So, Mike, as you walk back to the desk, I'm going to ask you a question here. For, for viewers who may be tuning in here for the first time, describe what you mean when you say a call spread. In other words, there it was graphic. It was clear. You're selling one and you're buying another. Is that the fundamental definition of it? 
Yeah, generally speaking, when we're talking about spreads, more often than not, what we're talking about is buying one option and selling another. That could be on the same, same stock in the, the same month. Well, yeah. this is a vertical spread, but it wouldn't have to be. I mean, actually, this trade that Karen was talking about, a counter spread, is also a call spread in that case, right? It's in her case, it was an October weekly call versus the January call in American Air, uh, Airlines. So that is also another form of a call spread. But typically, when we're spreading it out in different expirations, we call those calendars. Uh, in this case, when they're going up and down in the same expiration, we call those verticals. Carter, so Mike has laid out his credit. case for this. What do you think? What's interesting about it, of course, is if you look at the group, whether it's the ITB or the XHB, uh, the group has recovered right back to its well-defined former top in each ETF, which was January of 2018. Now, this stock has blown through those highs. It's one of the most extended, and I think you've got downside to 35 plus minus, which would be about 7%. So it's the kind of thing where uh, this is steep, uncorrected. And asymmetrical. Could it eke out a point or two? Sure. But you trade it off. The risk is that it have a swift downdraft. Karen? Yeah. I mean, even though I'm, I'm bullish, the space that chart is uh, You said scary, that to me right? earlier. Yeah. 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 And the stock's up, I don't know, close to 50% for the year. So that's a little scary. So obviously, Mike's trade is a bearish to neutral to bearish bent on it. I, I, he, it also is capped, which is super important. You know, the most that you could possibly lose, right, is a buck. And I think your scenario where even if the stock goes up, that spread doesn't immediately go to a dollar. Why would you pay a dollar for something that could only be worth a dollar on its last day? You wouldn't. You'd mm-hmm. want to have so you won't lose that buck if it goes. Yeah, that's again. right. If we were using weekly options and we were going to only have an opportunity to address that next Friday, then of course it's either in the money, it's out of the money, it's somewhere in between. But actually, this one expires on the third Friday of November. So there is going to be a little bit of time to address this in the event that the stock happens to move sharply higher. And like I said, I'm not suggesting that the fundamentals for the home builders are completely broken. They're not. It's not like these stocks are immensely expensive. They're not. But they have had a good run here. They don't typically trade at the same multiple as the rest of the market, and for good reason. It's a cyclical industry, and it shouldn't. Um, so, you know, I think it makes some sense to, if you're ever going to bet that something might Fade its rallies. Listen, this is big steep uptrends have corrections. Look at utilities. Look at REITs. They're also very rate sensitive. They've yeah. done well. Even staples, but they have pulled back of late. That's the nature of an uptrend. You have these setbacks, which are in a way healthy, and allow it to reassert itself and go higher. This is the point at which a setback or pause, a dip, is likely. Karen, you said earlier offline that you that you like this group. Home builder confidence earlier this week was right. very mm-hmm. fair, best in X months. I don't know what it was, mm-hmm. but make the case for why you like the group as a group. Well, there are so many things actually. So rates are rates are you know at all time lows. So yeah. almost everyone who buys a home they need some financing. So rates are very low. And people are employed. Also super important. Those two things are really important. The home builder space, I mean, we do see it does have some tariff uh, repercussions because they do import a lot of things. A lot of materials. Right. Material supply. So that's that's one thing that weighs on it. But that macro environment is so good. And the space, I mean, never recovered even remotely close to where it was in the financial crisis. And they're better managed business now than they were before the credit crisis, by far, by far. All right, why don't we move on from here? Up next, one of our traders is spying big gains in the market, and we'll go deep undercover with that trade. Plus, it is Friday, and you know what that means. Tweet us your burning questions, only the burning ones, at Options Action, and you might just get your answer on air. Don't change that dial, because we've got more Options Action coming up.
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to Options Action. It's time to take a look back at one of our open trades. Two weeks ago, Mike told us he spied, that's your hint, some gains ahead for the market. Despite the volatility that we saw this week, options premiums, to me, remain relatively low. You can actually spend less than 1% of the current price of SPY to buy a call option. Specifically, I was looking at the 295 calls, $2.70 $2.70 is what you would spend to buy those. Well, the SPY up just about 2.5% since that call, and that is a good enough move for Mike to escape this trade in the green by the skin of his teeth. So what's your next move? <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, if you put this trade on earlier this week, the call was worth about $4.50, and some of you may have actually taken your profits then. If you carried it all the way to expiration because it expired today, it's in the money. That means you're actually going to own the stock, and that isn't something I'd want to do. I'd rather own calls than SPY here, so I think it would be wiser to unload that. Unload, and, get out. Uh, yeah, and just you could buy some longer-dated calls. They're still inexpensive. Close it off. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, up next, your tweets. An hour or their final call. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Options Action. We've got a few seconds before the final call. Take your tweets. First viewer asks, how would you trade Apple into earnings, Carter? I'd be long into earnings uh, outright or by the 240 calls month end. It closed at 236. I think there's pop potential. All right. And our next tweet, here was the riddle. What was it? What was that street we saw in Chicago? It was Options Action, Michigan Avenue. We thank, I believe it is Eric for that. That is very nice. We appreciate that. All right, let's get to the final call. There it is, Options Action's view of Michigan (laughs) Avenue in the great midway. All right, Carter, final call. I like health care here, and I use XLV to express that view on the long side. All right, Karen, you yep. get to go next. Uh, American Airlines expressing the bet for more, one own more, Jan 29, October weekly expiration uh, call spread. And Mike, you get the last word. Yeah, I like selling uh, credit spreads into Pulte Homes, into earnings, and I like calls on XLV. All right, it's been a very, very busy and very, very interesting week. That does it uh, for us here on Options Action. You can catch us back next Friday at 5.30. Meantime, do not go anywhere because you know who is right around the corner. Mad Money starts now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.